Are you looking to make your church's ministries more effective? Do you want to reach out to your community but don't know where to start? And do you want to develop your own personal ministry skills? Then join us every third Saturday and Sunday in 2020 for a special workshop series. We'll be covering topics like the gospel, sanctification, literature evangelism, social media, networking, entrepreneurship, and how to start your own center of influence. The location will be at Simplicity Outreach Center in Allentown, Pennsylvania. The cost is $15 per person, but we're limiting it to 40 individuals. You can register and check out a full description of all the sessions at AdventistCityMinistries.com. Welcome back to the Adventist City Ministries podcast. My name is Andrew. I'm Jeff. And I'm Bob. So last time we talked about the Ephesus model and the five pillars of the mission structure. Uh, There's an advanced placement team. There's a leadership team. There's discipleship and mentorship. And the centers of influence is another one. And then that all kind of culminates in growing the church body. So now that we've, we kind of have that settled in our minds, okay, there's this, this process that we go through when we come into a city, when Paul went into a place uh, to, to start a church, to spread the gospel. And now that we kind of understand that, what is the daily process of ministry look like now that we have this overview? So what can we say about what Paul did and what Jesus did and what we can do in our daily walk in reaching the cities for Jesus? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, is that uh, the gospel should always be on the, the tip of our tongue and the forefront of what we do, and not just, uh, not just preaching and teaching it, but um, you know, allowing people to see it in our lives, at work, dynamically in our lives. And Paul did that wherever he went, especially as he kind of modified his approach to ministry. Uh, remember, he made the statement to the Corinthians, uh, which uh, the, the book of 1 Corinthians is written, while he was in Ephesus, that uh, he would only preach Christ and him crucified. And so with that change, I think that you can believe that that's what he was doing in Ephesus. Well, I think there's probably three uh, primary modalities that we could look at for, for um, extending uh, the gospel uh, to those who don't know it. Those, we look at it from the terms of, of a gospel ministry, um, which really touches a person on a spiritual level. We look at it, at it in terms of uh, a liter- what we traditionally would call literature uh, ministry, which really is, it deals more with uh, the intellectual part of a person. And then, of course, uh, the, uh, we have strong emphasis on a medical uh, ministry, our, our, our well-being ministry, maybe is a, a better way of putting it, which which it deals with these vessels that we live in and how that we can um, help people to understand how to better take care of them. those. Those three things interact with each other, just as our body is, is one whole component. All right. Jeff, can you explain more of the gospel side of things? And how, okay, so what do we do now that we have the structure down? How do we communicate the gospel to people in our everyday life? Yeah, well, first let me tell you what Paul says. He said that from the first day he got to Ephesus, as this is in from Acts chapter 20, um, from the very first that, that he, he got there, that he lived among them and that he would um, teach publicly and door to door. And so he was really a- actively teaching 
uh, Jesus Christ and him crucified as he went, uh, and he would do it wherever he could. And um, so that's the first key element is, uh, is to, now that's as opposed to what he had done previous to that. What he had done previous to that is, is he would get in a lot of doctrinal discussions with the Jews. And, um, and sometimes it was effective and sometimes it wasn't, but he has decided at this point in time that that's the direction that he's going to go. So the most effective way then to reach somebody isn't necessarily just talking about doctrine. Okay, well, this is what happens when you die, and this is what happens when Jesus comes back, and this is, you know, whatever umpteen things. We can know that the best way to reach somebody is through the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, meaning his grace and his saving power to heal us and redeem us and, and bring us back into harmony. Yeah, right. And it, it makes no sense in a lot of ways. And the Bible teaches us that it looks like foolishness in, in some cases. But it's the only thing that you can actually do if you were going into the jungles of New Guinea. Uh, you, you couldn't make an argument out of logic for the people, but somehow the gospel has the power to change lives. And it effectively has been demonstrated that it does, even though it makes no sense that it, from our perspective that right. it should. Yeah, and in, in a world where people have different cultural norms and a completely sometimes a different way of understanding nature and the world that we don't understand. The only thing that we can really communicate is God's love. Yeah, I think, I think we need to come to the understanding that we really don't convince anybody of anything. Uh, not when it comes to this kind of uh, spiritual thing. Um, but what we do do is we give God the opportunity by raising the question, we give God, or raising the issue, we give God the opportunity to, to, to do his thing. That's why Jesus said, look, if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And so he just needs somebody to lift, you know, lift, up, lift him up. And then the, the, the drawing of hearts is something that the Holy Spirit does. It's, it's, it's never us that, that does it, but, but somebody has to articulate the concept so people can, can grasp onto it and that people that the Holy spirit has a chance to make its, its influence felt. Right. So do we see an example of that in, in the work of Paul and the work of Jesus? You know, there's lots of examples of them, both, both their lives. Paul, this is his second missionary journey. So he's kind of refined his, his notion of things. We've seen him argue up to this point. We saw him in the Decapolis arguing from a, you know, and probably from a more apologetic, uh, doctrinal position. And we talked about how that, you know, I, I've, I've had that in my life where I've tried to argue with people. And then you, you made mention of the, that's the way of the internet is people like to argue, but there is no arguing, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, it is a, a unique truth. It's the, it is the unique truth that uh, um, changes the world. And so I can understand why Paul comes to the conclusion. I'm done with that other stuff. Cause I don't like to, I don't like to have those discussions anymore with people. Yeah. Um, you start to realize it's not fruitful it's and not, not constructive. Yeah, apologetics have their place, but the, their place is to protect the purity of the gospel, not to convince other people of your opinions. And also, I mean, for me, the saving truth is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the saving truth. Not that to say doctrine does, but doctrine just adds to that saving truth. Uh, and so the saving truth is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm anxious to put it in the hands of people so they can, they can evaluate and make a decision because, you know, for me, what I've put on, been put on this earth to do is to be an instrument of God to reach other people so that they might hear of salvation. That's, right. that's what it comes down to. And the conclusion we can make is that if somebody understands the gospel correctly, then they'll eventually come to 
correct conclusions about what doctrine is. That's yeah. That's that's the the way of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. He, Jesus said He will lead you into all truth. Even when he left his disciples, he said, there's a lot of things I can't tell you now. <laughs> so, so, so the idea of uh, uh, that any of us have got it all together at any particular point in time is really contrary to the whole, the whole concept of, of the Spirit being in us because the Spirit is the infinite revelation of God in me. So there's, there's no end to that. Now, from a practical urban perspective, um, it's interesting to see, to try to think about how this works in an urban setting. If we take Paul's example, he said he preached it wherever he could, and he actually went door to door, you know, uh, or house to house. And so um, how do we, how do you guys think we manage um, sharing the gospel in a, say, a new setting, in in an urban setting? we've done the work of meeting people where they are and so literally going door to door and asking them, okay, this is who we are. You know, we're representing this center of influence or this, uh, you know, this place where you can come and meet Jesus. And then we invite them not particularly into, you know, we don't upfront say, okay, Hey, we want you to come meet God so that your life can be changed and healed. And, uh, but we say that in a different way. We say that, um, you know, this is, this is who we are. These are the programs that we are offering. You know, we want to help out your community and, you know, what do you need? What do you, (laughs) what are the needs of your community and how can we help you? I think it's important what he said. uh, And, and this is rather controversial, but he said he lived among them. And some people think, you know, that we shouldn't live in the cities and that we should live outside the cities, but living among them means more than just actually having an apartment on the block. It means spending your life amongst people. It's the living amongst them that you, that begins to open your, so, so, so many people that I know, the only other people that they have are friends within their life are just Christians who think the same way they do. And so there's really no mingling with people and making friends with people who are, you know, need to hear the gospel. That's hard for, for some reason, it's a hard thing for us to learn to do. And yet it's one of the components of, that Paul, you know, he goes right to the heart of Ephesus of all places. I mean, Ephesus was, you know, this pretty wicked place of all places for him to decide to go and say, we're going to build a church here. You know, we're going to, we're going to, you know, plant a rock here. Um, and so we can do the same thing. Yeah. So being a part of people's lives is really a, a daily experience because we often think that, oh, well, if I just see somebody once in a while, you know, once a week at church and I ask them how they're doing and like, Oh, good to see you. And then we kind of go along our merry way the rest of the week. You know, that's, that's not the example of Jesus, but he was in people's lives constantly and daily. I think of the disciples and how they saw his every waking moments. You know, there's, there's parts that we know there's things that we know that they experience that we don't read about. It's kind of like, you know, what they don't show on television, characters, you know, doing all the mundane stuff, going to the bathroom, doing their taxes, whatever. And, and yet that's, that's how you see people in their everyday experience and how they handle situations and you get a sense of their character. And if you're handling it in a way that God wants you to, and it's godly and righteous in, in a way that you've been convicted about, then that 
really has more power to convince somebody of the reality of God and the gospel than oftentimes more than any of the other kind of programs that we have in place sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes people, you can't, they can't hear the truth. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of times it's because they're in pain. I think the brokenness, there's there's so much brokenness in the world and, and, Sometimes you, you don't, it, sometimes you don't even know your own brokenness until, right. until you come face to face with it um, and, until something reveals it. And that's why, that's why there's, it, it's more than just about talking about the gospel because talking about the gospel is someone who, who needs a meal or, or to someone who's just got a diagnosis of cancer or something like that. Sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't resonate. And so that's why, that's why there's other, that's, that's why we talk about, three, three, uh, three modalities, um, to, to touch, to touch the lives of people. Okay. So Paul, uh, when he was in Ephesus, there was miraculous things. According to Acts chapter 19, it says that God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. And even he'd hand out his hankies and people were being healed. And I think that that's an example of, or, uh, of, how aggressively God was kind of to break, to break down some of those things that prevent us from hearing the truth or people from hearing the truth. So how do we apply that today? Yeah. Well, not only that, um, just, just picking up on it. He also traveled with Dr. Luke, you know, and um, I'm sure that there was plenty of times when Dr. Luke uh, did some, some of his doctoring that uh, uh, was helpful to individuals and maybe remove prejudice or, uh, or uh, obstacles that may have uh, been in the way. Okay, so we've got the, the first tier or the first prong, and that is the gospel ministry. And then the second would be the medical missionary side of things. So mentioned Dr. Luke and Paul's unusual miracles and everything he did there. We can still flesh that out, right? Because medical missionary work, that's not just, uh, you know, the ability to do miracles and you know, that kind of wonderful, miraculous phenomenon, but it's, it's something, it's an, it can be an everyday practice for ordinary people. Yeah. In fact, we don't, we can use scripture to, to, to see that, that, um, that w- part of what Paul admonishes the people in Ephesus to is, is to support the weak. And what he means, what he means by weak is sometimes it means poor, but sometimes it just means those who are you know, feeble uh, with regards to the word of God, so to speak. And so he takes, now he's taken it from like full physical healing to people who are struggling with psychological, you know, issues and, and, and some people who are just poor. And so we can say, okay, well that broadens this whole idea of medical missionary work to a, a very broad. And, you know, there's some people who would conclude that medical missionary work, you know, starts with a smile could end with cardiovascular surgery if you're, if you can do that, but it takes in the whole gambit of both. This concept of healing, I hear more and more about it every day. Uh, I was listening to something today about those who are suffering emotional abuse, uh, you know, especially from their spouses, um, that they're, they're showing more signs of, uh, you know, that's turning into physical illnesses and the gospel Part of the part of the medical missionary work, as we proclaim the love of God, that actually has a physical effect on ourselves. So it gives us the ability to heal from those uh, different kinds of abuses, whether they're emotional, um, but also you know bringing us back in relationships so that they're healthy and and that's part of the the medical missionary work too. 
is helping people to understand. We can't detach these parts of, of our being from, from each other. So something that affects us on one level is always going to affect um, other levels as well. So when, when you're suffering physically, it's going to, it's going to break you down psychologically eventually as well and, and, and can affect us spiritually as, uh, as well. And, 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 and the same is true for any other part of our being that's, that is, uh, it's not healthy. Um, and so, so when we talk about medical missionary archive, yeah, just like Jeff said, it, it, it has, we need to think in broader terms because we, as, as, as perhaps lay people, we think, well, that's something, you know, I'd have to be trained professionally right. to do. No, no, it, it can be something as simple as a smile. Or you know, I think Solomon says that laughter is doeth good like a medicine. You know, something as, as, something as uh, simple as cheering somebody up and making them feel better uh, about their, you know, their, their circumstances. So I, I think with Jesus, even though we have many miracles uh, to look at, but I think that people probably followed him around as much for just the reason that he was kind yeah, to people. Yeah. And kindness today is certainly, you know, a balm yeah, for it, a lot of people. If little children were kind of begging to be with him and sit on his lap. And right. You can imagine how much sunshine he brought to people's lives. So it's not easy to do these things because you can only, it can only happen in us if, if we're, uh, if the spirit, Holy Spirit is dwelling within us because it can't be fake. People see right through the, the phoniness, uh, the, it has to be something that's really uh, uh, being compelled within you to, to, um, and it opens the doors to uh, people being able to hear the gospel. I, I believe that people, there are, there are walls being erected in people's lives so that they don't even have the, they can't hear the gospel, the truth of it. And, uh, and so what we're, we're, we're talking about is finding ways to break down those walls so that maybe you have the opportunity to share with them you know, something of eternal consequence. All right. So we have the gospel ministry, then we have medical missionary work. And then the third one would be our literature evangelism or what we've traditionally called it. But I think that has a much greater application to our modern era of technology. I think, I think publications would be a more accurate description of, of, of the third one because it takes in a little bit more of a concept instead of just, it just, instead of it just being pen and paper, it, it can take in things that we use today, radio and podcasts and uh, yeah, things like the, that. All the internet things that are, that are, that are happening right now. And the, the essence of that is in, in, in both Jesus and Paul's time, Paul chose Ephesus because Ephesus was this, one of the most major seaports of the world at that time. So anything he did there, dispersed right. to the whole world. Uh, and so um, it was wise for him to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Just like Jesus chose Capernaum because That's it was right. all, along, along the main trade route. And you know, as it was everything passed through Capernaum uh, in his day. And, and Paul also ch- chose Corinth because that was the shortcut across the, you had to go around the, you know, that big part of Greece that sticks out from the, the, the peninsula there. And it, this was God's plan with Israel as well. Right. They right. Would, they would have, these feasts that they would all come back to Jerusalem for, and then they would go back to the world. And hopefully they were, you know, talking about how the, the goodness of God when they went back to the world. And uh, so this is a, that's publication. Paul took it another step. As we all know, he wrote half of the new test, new Testament or more. And uh, a large portion of it was written by Luke, his uh, partner. Uh, and so um, 
they started using real publications and Timothy was involved and Titus, they'd send them off with letters as we know, as we read the new Testament. And so Paul added an element from, you know, where Christ was uh, as he did it. And I think that we, we should keep in mind that we don't have to stagnate on just a few concepts, but that because of that, we, we should expand this in any way that we can. And, you know, there's a reason that, for, that, that, that exists, I believe anyway. And, and that is like, you, you remember when Paul he went from Thessalonica to, to Berea and he, he presented the, uh, um, the gospel to them. And then they get that great, you know, commendation because rather than being insulted by what they did, Paul actually commends them because they went back and they studied it out for themselves. That's an intellectual approach to things. I mean, it's one thing to hear something, but then you have to, you know, to make it um, kind of stick or to make it real. It, it, God has given us, has put in our hands the, the scriptures for a reason. It's so we can study and learn and we can learn it on the intellectual level as well as a, 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 an emotional, spiritual level. And um, I think that's important. It's not, it's not by accident that God says in Isaiah, come, let us reason together. He's given that, that faculty that we, that, we, that we can process through these things and, and, and to think um, and become, become intelligent Christians as well as, um, as committed Christians. Right. Yeah, so a big part of that is the body coming together, talking with one another, and allowing other people the uh, inspiration that they that we know everybody's capable of, and, the, and the, their own faith that they can display. And the internet has really allowed that to flourish because if somebody understands truth, you know, we we can focus sometimes on how it's used inappropriately, but when the internet and the digital technology that we have is used for purpose of the gospel, then it, it can travel just as fast because you have that instantaneous conversation with people. And you say, Oh, I, I found this point in God's word about the gospel and how good God is. And like, Oh, well, have you ever considered this? Oh, wow. Well, this just adds to it. And that instantaneous conversation allows us to the speed of, you know, coming together that much quicker. So in, t- in today's, in today's urban ministry approach, we would be negligent not to take advantage yeah. of these super highways of information. Uh, and so that's a whole study in and of itself for us to, for, to begin to consider how, how that works or what it looks like, because there's been some really cool, you know, experiments with it that have been very effective in opening doors to ministry in communities. Uh, you know, but many times churches are hesitant because of the, you know, the, the internet is, there's so many bad things on it that they don't realize that it can be used for a positive impact. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it really is the, the marketplace. Uh, and just as Aquila and Priscilla were in the marketplace, as Paul was there, uh, well, the modern day marketplace really is the internet. So if you want to reach people for Jesus, you go to where they are right. and that's the internet. I mean, there's a lot of criticisms that, that you can, you can obviously make about, uh, technologies but but jesus said that look the harvest is is plentiful but the the laborers are few so you have to take advantage of any any force multiplier that you can to 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 make your your efforts maximally effective um and certainly through through the technological uh tools that we have at our fingers we we can we can be much more effective so one example I can think of is Justin Ko, and he has a YouTube channel called That Christian Vlogger, 
and he's starting to to do some other things with his his uh the way he's uh he's going but the the few years that he spent creating those videos uh it's reached uh, over you know 10,000 people and helped individuals to grow in the gospel and understanding and the questions that they've had about God and you know who can who <laughs> what one person can say that they've reached 10,000 people by themselves i know i know it's not just him, but it's the people who have shared that material and the people who have uh, promoted it. But really, he, he just made the decision one day, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to dedicate these, this time that I have. He's openly taught people how to do this. So anybody can really do that if, if they have the time to sit down and be patient. Uh, we all have a, a great resource available to us that you know God needs our voice to be able to speak about him. And uh, the internet is is one way to, to use that and reach many people. Yeah. So we have these three things and uh, it's pretty clear that it's important not to get, you know, the overuse of one or the exclusion of the other because they were all at work. And we'll look at a couple other models, you know, in the, in the sessions to come that show that this is a repeating pattern in Christian work. Um, but uh, sometimes like we'll make the medical missionary work, the gospel and, uh, and and then everything gets distorted, or we'll make the 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 um, publication work just call porter work, and then everything gets distorted. And I, I'm I'm not casting aversion. I'm just saying there's there's balance to all of this that we need to keep in mind as we're going about public ministry and particularly urban ministry. There's that idea that in order to like a new food, in order for a child to like a new food, they have to eat it up to like ten times. I think that applies to the, the human condition of, of, of coming to God and, and hearing the gospel, you know. I think I have to think about, okay, how many ways can we tell somebody about God in unique ways that are different from the other and that will influence them in a particular way so that they can get a, a, a multifaceted view of who God is and not just coming from one angle or direction. And, and I think, too, that um, a, a balance uh, approach he, uh, by using, uh, allowing all these modalities to, to have a synergistic effect um, creates an effect where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So it's, it's incumbent for us to, to stay balanced in, 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 uh, uh, in these things because by doing so, well, you, you get a, you get, just get, just get a better, better effect of, I think a couple of subcategories that we could touch on too, like under the idea of publication again, and, and the notion of having as big an impact in an area as possible. And uh, is to, when you go to a, a place, we should look for people who are influential in the neighborhood and spend time with them, trying to mentor them and grow them. Uh, this, this is replete in the work of Jesus and Paul. It's there almost everywhere they go they find somebody, I'll throw a couple examples out, like in Capernaum, and there was the nobleman, there was the centurion. Paul had people like Lydia, the seller of purple. And they weren't always wealthy people. We should keep that in mind. Sometimes they were. Sometimes they weren't even Jews. They were just good people in the culture who were respected. And, um, and so we've seen that in simplicity. Yeah, that yeah. People from the neighborhood are influential. And it's good to 
combined forces with them. Yeah. Yeah. I can think of, uh, one of the ladies that helps out with our clothing ministry mm-hmm. and distributing clothing. She knows a lot of people in the neighborhood and, uh, she has ministry where she, she gathers clothing and she takes her vacations to the Dominican Republic and hands it out and, and blesses other people with that. So it's, it's grown our influence in the community much more than if we didn't have her. Yeah, it's really people who have a voice. You know, yeah. It's people who, who have a voice that, that, that other people will listen to. And you search those people out. Right. And, it, and it's allowing people to do what they want to do. It's not coercing them into, of course, <laughs> right. into, into being a part of what you are, but it's giving them an opportunity to really already do what they want to do and, and help others and giving them an outlet. And once again, it gives us uh, all an opportunity when you, when those people are allowed to, to work uh, in the system that you're, you know, in your center of influence or whatever it is you're establishing for Jesus Christ. Um, it, it allows you to be expo- exposed to gospel to a lot of people because of the work that they're doing. So I mean, they're, they're teaching people to be the hands of Christ and you're getting the opportunity to teach them of Christ. So it's pretty, yeah. it's a, an exciting dynamic. Yeah. And the thing about working with, those who are a little bit more affluent are, you know, cause we think we often think, Oh, well, in order to reach somebody, I have to serve them. You know, I, in order to talk about the gospel, I need to, I need to be the one who serves them. But with the more affluent folks in our community, it's been, well, if you let them serve others who are less fortunate than they are, then they get to experience the joy of being a servant of blessing others. And, I mean, there are countless studies about volunteering and how it actually can lift up your spirits and, and bring you better health and a better peace of mind. And, you know, so the saying is true that we, we get more from blessing others and, and, and gifting others. And going through that, uh, going through that process, um, actually giving people the opportunity to, to come alongside often then gives you the opportunity to let them hear the gospel in a, a way that they're open to it. Like, wow, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I feel so good. It's like, well, Hey, let me tell you about why it, yeah. is, it works that way. Right. Another thing that we uh, have to be mindful of is, is that urban ministries are expensive uh, for the most part. And so we have to creatively think of ways to, make it happen and uh, not be dependent upon, you know, traditional paid or salaried uh, church uh, leaders. And uh, the way we do that is, believe it or not, there's uh, God does have cattle on a thousand hills and there's lots of groups of people who are willing to contribute in, in person and in item to make something function. And uh, you know, we've had, experience after experience in our situation where a church will donate $2,000, a patient will donate $5,000. Uh, and it just happens out of the blue. Somebody donates food, somebody donates clothing, somebody donates time. And so, yeah, you mentioned patients and I don't think some of our listeners are familiar with why you say that because you're actually a dentist and uh, you've told me some stories about how in your practice you've told, you know, you, you make it very plain to people, oh, this is what I do in my time when I'm not here, you know, the mission projects, and you make it something that's very visible. And, but I know there's some really good stories about how people have wanted to help out when they see and understand what you're up yeah, to. Yeah, I mentioned one when I had a patient who uh, was a patient for a long time and she ultimately she moved to Florida, got a call a little bit while later and she said, 
you know, I just want you to know that I'm putting simplicity in my will. And I said, well, that's wonderful. I didn't ask her, what does that mean? It's just said it was wonderful. <laughs> you know, uh, a, a couple weeks later, she called again and said, I can't wait till then. I'm going to send you $5,000 right away. And so she wrote us a check, sent us $5,000 and, uh, and it's blessed a lot of people. So God has, th- these are things that, uh, that part of it, that we shouldn't get stuck on the idea that this can only be done by paid individuals. We shouldn't get stuck in that idea. Yeah. Cause he, he wants us to flourish because of his bounty that he desires to give to us. Right. Everybody can be an influential part and you know, our commission here on this earth is to not feel like we have to do something special, like something, because that's how we're pressured into things sometimes like, oh, well, you know, come to the front if you want to be a missionary in Africa and do all these things that we may never really have the inclination to do. But if we understand the gospel and how it applies to our own lives and we naturally want to share that with other people, then we're going to do that in our everyday living. And when we go to work and, and when we are living with our families, then that'll just become a natural part of our everyday life. And it'll, it'll show people will notice that. And, but by, but by making this structure and by having this, uh, you know, centers of influence, then we kind of concentrate it into this place where people can obviously see that we're doing something for God and for our, our local communities. And, and part, of, part and parcel of that is also we, uh, for those of us who do work, you know, I still have a practice and you have a business that you run, Andrew, and Bob has a, a dental practice as well. And part of that is just saying that, you know, this is my um uh, this is what I do for a living. Like the apostle Paul was a tent maker and he made tents and he sold them. And that's how he supported himself. That doesn't mean that he, you know, did one 40 hours a week and the other 10 hours a week. He just, he supported the his ministry for Christ through the work of his hands. And I would encourage more people to do that. Uh, the concept of uh, self-supporting work today, it looks a little bit more like, you know, raise $10,000 so I can go and do this as long as the $10,000 lasts. Uh, I think that more people can get involved in self-supporting urban ministry if they just say, you know, I need this much to live on and or whatever the case may be, but I have a job and that can support me in doing ministry for Jesus Christ. Yeah. It also works out better if you have a small local operation rather than, you know, going away to somewhere far away. Right. And if you make it an intimate part of your community, then it's going to be really easy to just, oh, I've, I've got an extra hour or two during right. the week. I can just pop over there and help out with, you know, whatever is going on today. And I think that's important because, uh, you know, the uh, urban population, you know, is growing exponentially by 2050, probably 80 percent. In Pennsylvania, 80 percent of the population is already urbanized. Uh, 48 out of 50 states are urbanized. And so uh, we have to go to very, lots of very busy places in the world. And it, it's going to take a lot of missionaries, a lot of people who can reveal, share the gospel. I think that, you know, maybe in the past we've always thought of uh, uh, being a missionary or the mission field as something that existed over there. Um, 
But in reality, now it's just, it's, it's our own backyard. I mean, God has brought the mission field to us. And uh, I think Jeff and I in the past have done uh, a number of short-term mission uh, trips uh, to various places. And uh, I think you'd probably agree that like some of the places we go in, in, in town don't look very much different in terms of people's plight and, and condition as, as, uh, you know, so we experience there and, and the reality of life is, is the same, um, for, for them as well. And they need, need to just they need to hear the, the good news about Jesus just as much, uh, as, as places that are far, far away. I think it's, it's important for us as, as both, uh, a people and as individuals to, 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 readjust our thinking and to and to look at how, where we fit into it to 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 think about um our lives not in terms of um what it what it means to to me to you know that, that I go and I work to make you know, get a house and do all these things which of course there's certain necessity level but but uh but uh, like Jeff was saying, it's like, how much do you, how much of, of, of your life and your time can you give to Jesus? That's like, that's a, that's a heavy duty question. You know, it's a really heavy duty question. It it comes down to a lot of self-examination because if we're not, if we're not comfortable with the gospel and how it has dealt with our own personal sin, then we're not going to have a desire to reach out to other people's, you know? So we have to find the healing that, the gospel that Jesus offers to us in order to have something to, to bring to other people. When we don't have that experience, then the, the result is that it you know, creates a weak church that is afraid to, to reach out to other people because it hasn't, the people haven't dealt with the gospel and, and haven't come face to face with the reality of, of the new condition that Jesus has brought them into. So Andrew, could you kind of summarize the the points that we've looked at? Maybe start with the the structural elements, and then talk about what we did today, so people can kind of have a a list of things that they can think about. Yeah. So again, the five structures: it's the advanced placement team. It's Paul. It's Paul getting Aquila and Priscilla together, and then a leadership team, the extended uh, team that that Paul brought together. Uh, once they were in Ephesus, uh, and then from there, discipleship and mentoring. And that was really, that's really part of the, the everyday living that we're talking about. And of course, then a center of influence, an urban center of influence, uh, which is able to influence people. And then from that generate a larger church, when people become familiar with you and, and what you're doing, then they're going to start to ask questions. Oh, how can I be a part of this? Well, we have a we have a body that does this and believes this that you can be a part of too. And so from that, then you teach other people, okay, this is the gospel. This is the work that we have to do to tell people about what Jesus has done. Uh, and we make, a, uh, we make an entrance for the gospel through uh, things like medical missionary work, through healing people, not just medically and physically, uh, but also through their emotional state through their everyday toils and the, the, the problems that they're going through, trying to find a way to break through all the, the pain and heartache that this world brings us. And then also telling people about God through the, 
publication work. So through literature, through uh, internet, through Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, all the different realities that we, that we have through our modern technology. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. We, we really appreciate you listening and just want to also mention our upcoming program at Simplicity Outreach in Allentown this coming year. We'll be having a seminar each month during 2020 where we talk about all these concepts. Are really our first two are revival weekends where we, where we talk about the gospel and we get grounded in the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it means to have faith and then living that out in our everyday lives. So we, again, we want to thank you for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Jeff. And I'm Bob. God bless. Until next time.